Hi, hello. Welcome to the episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is September the 12th, 2023. Hopefully this episode finds you well in good spirits and high hopes. As for me, I'm doing pretty good on the eve of my birthday. Uh, the vibes have been good. They've been solid. To be honest, up until this point, I haven't done any kind of like reminiscing on how my, um, you know, my birth year has been up until this point, you know, the, my 32, if you will. Uh, but no, it's been, it's been good. It's been nice and interesting, uh, you know, ups and downs, if you will. Uh, sadly, uh, this is more interesting than the food I ate. I just had some pasta last night, the huge, uh, but it was good. It was yummy. I, I definitely, like now, I've noticed over the past like couple months I get so hyped for like my dinner <laughs> because I'm just not eating anything other than like a small little snack bag of chips uh, for the most part. I did graze on some peanuts though today, but man, I get so stoked for dinner. <laughs> it's, it's a big deal for me, but I realize I've always been a dinner guy. Uh, breakfast is nice, but it fucks up my tummy. So I usually tend to just not want it until afternoon usually, unless I want to spoil myself and deal with the consequences. Lunch has always just been such a, mm, okay, fine. If you find a nice deli, if you find a nice, you know, what have you, and maybe you want to get your little McDonald's in the daytime, sure, 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 but it's not my favorite meal. Uh, you know, probably number two, but dinner. Ooh, we love a good dinner. We love a good D-up. But yeah, um, nothing to report so much, you know, other than the pasta use. Let's see here, and I'm good, you know, like I said, it, it's just been a nice, solid, ho-hum day. We didn't work too hard, uh, we got to, you know, just do our thing, and that was nice. <laughs> and I'm off for tomorrow, I decided to call off, so hopefully we'll get a little bit of an earlier episode, and that'd be nice, that'd be neat. Um, but yeah, let's see here, I suppose I'm gonna do my little startup, and then we can get into some news, some happenings. For this Tuesday. Ooh. Crackle. Mm. Okie dokie. Let's start. Let's start. Let's start here. Uh, from CNN, more than 5,000 presumed dead in Libya after catastrophic flooding breaks dams and sweeps away homes. Sadly, we are starting off with another natural disaster. More than 5,000 people are presumed dead and 10,000 missing after heavy rains in northeastern Libya caused two dams to collapse, surging more water into already inundated areas. I also want to add, too... The initial reports came very hard and fast, uh, around like 2,000 rising when I initially heard the story. And then, you know, as of today, they're at 5,000, and I'm assuming rising. So it was very sad, very unfortunate. Uh, but at least 5,300 people are thought dead um, on, let's see, they confirmed this a Tuesday. Um, let's see here, read a little bit further. Of those killed, at least 145 were Egyptian, um, 
And then in the eastern city of Derma, where it looks like that was like the brunt of the devastation, as many as 6,000 people remain missing. Uh, they, they, they reference a lot of the people. I don't want to get you guys bogged down in names here. Um, but yeah, they said this shit hit. It hit really hard. And it broke down dams. It ran through bridges. And, you know, luckily at least people have been... Um, you know, coming in terms of aid, you know, worldwide, but, um, you know, still, uh, no matter how much aid you get, it's still a lot to get through and go through and endure as people. I mean, it's so sad to hear stories of people who are living their lives one moment and in the next moment, their whole families are gone. Now they're survivors trying to pick up the pieces of their life and it's, it's very just sad. Um, Let's see here. There's something, I guess a little factoids here we can go through. The UN-backed government of national unity, or the GNU, led by Amuala Habib Diaby, uh, Dibihibi, I got the name wrong, sorry, uh, but sits in Tripoli in northwest Libya, while its eastern rival is controlled by Commander Khalifa Haftar and his Libyan National Army the LNA, who support the Eastern Parliament, um, led by Osama Hamad. Uh, Derma, which lies um, some 300 kilometers, or 190 miles east of Benghazi, falls under the control of Haftar and his Eastern administration. So I say that because Libya is an African country that is in a lot of turmoil, uh, something that we were kind of involved in a little bit of way, just in terms of uh, taking out uh, Gafdi. I'm pronouncing his name wrong as well. Gafdi. <laughs> the Milwaukee's talking now. But um, essentially, kind of just we're talking now about the fallout of this kind of shit and how Libya is kind of split by this UN half and then um, this like Libyan National Army half. And where like a lot of. Um, where this devastation sits is on that LNA half. So, um, you know, that's kind of just the lay of the land, if you will. I did want to also move along and talk again about Morocco, the earthquake that had the, you know, very high death toll of about, was it, I think I initially reported around 1,000 and rising. Now it's looking at at least 2,900 people. Uh, but I did want to talk about just kind of, we were talking about aid in Libya. Something that's been kind of coming up in a lot of stories I've been listening to is that, and I read as well, is that a lot of countries were standing ready to give aid to Morocco. And the king of Morocco was like, okay, uh, we'll get back to you on that. And so far, at least as of like today, a lot of people were saying, a lot of countries were like, hey, we are here, we're standing ready, and they're not, like, letting us in. They're not, like, giving us the green light. And then there are people on the ground, victims, saying, hey, um, excuse me, um, you know, this whole earthquake's happened, there's aftershocks happening, I'm literally hearing cries for help, and then nothing. People are just fading away, and I haven't seen hide nor hair of aid. And then, you know, it's, it's available in some pl- like parts of Morocco. It's happening. It's, 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 uh, it's ongoing. Um, so I think there's just been a little bit of, um, well, what's going on here? Why not just immediately snap your fingers and say yes to this aid? 
And, you know, there's questions about like, oh, well, from Morocco, they're like, well, it's kind of a little bit of propaganda here. We just don't want to have like too many cooks in the like the kitchen. You know, we, don't, we only need so many people to do X or Y thing. We don't want to get confusion. Uh, but then from the outside, people are saying like, what is this a political thing? You don't want to like feel indebted. Like what's what's going on? What's up? Um, and that, that's a big question mark. And who knows if we're going to get an answer on that. So I did want to just kind of highlight those two things with the death toll and just, I guess, maybe the whole aid, uh, pause, freeze, fog. I don't know. I don't know what you call it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a shame that these natural disasters are happening. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's icky. It's, it's sad. It's, it's icky is totally the wrong word. But, um, you know, it's hard to cover this kind of shit. But um, it is something that is happening in the world, and I do want to draw attention to it. I feel bad when I miss it. Like, there was a, a fucking, like, typhoon in China, and last I saw, like, 20 people died. But then I realized by the time I was ready to talk about it, like, it, it was, like, a month ago. I was like, shit. Like, you know, sometimes it just falls through cracks, and I feel fucking shitty about that. So I try to cover it when they happen, at least try to give you as much of the blow-by-blow blow, big updates as I can. Uh, but, yeah, let's go ahead and move along to another story, uh, a little bit more Africa news from the BBC. Egypt angry as Ethiopia fills Nile Dam Reservoir amid water row. I love how the um, the BBC uses the word row. I've like kind of slowly incorporated that into my lingo vernacular, like, you know, crisis, trouble, you know, like, okay, yeah, a little row happening. But, you know, I don't really think people are going to get that in the States. Anyway. Egypt has voiced anger after Ethiopia announced it had filled the reservoir at a highly controversial hydroelectric dam on the Blue Nile River. Ethiopia had been in a dispute with Egypt and Sudan over the mega project since the launch of 2011. Egypt relies on the Nile for nearly all of its water needs. Egypt's foreign ministry said Ethiopia was disregarding the interests of downstream countries. Ethiopia says the $4.2 billion dam will not cut their share of Nile water. So to me, I, I heard this and I immediately thought about uh, the situation in like the Colorado River where we are literally like, oh shit, like, water is getting tough it's getting scarce like we were having to deal with all this fucking you know climate change shit water's getting more and more scarce and you know everybody needs it and you know you just start seeing people almost like trying to divide it out like knives out and you see that happening you know in an international level and that's why I, kind of was why i was drawn to really want to talk about this um and you know these three countries are all on the nile and I feel like Egypt's kind of barking the loudest because they're like, look, we stand the most to lose if this gets botched and we don't get the water we need, you know? Like, this is a noble endeavor. You guys are going to power your people, you know, with this hydroelectric power, and that's really fucking cool and neat, but what about us? Also, Sudan is also involved in this. They are also on the Nile, but they aren't as loud of... Um, they aren't as loud of a speaker in the situation right now because they are dealing with their own you know conflict right now we've been covering that pretty extensively at least we're trying to um so yeah egypt's definitely barking they're saying yo what the fuck is up and you know ethiopia is like no we got this 
Uh, I should say the name of the dam. It is Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam, or GERD, which I love. I love that. It feels like very Metal Gear. The GERD. Like, battle at the GERD. I don't know. <laughs> um, let's see. In a statement on Facebook, the e Egyptian foreign ministry said Ethiopia's unilateral filling of the reservoir violated a declaration of principle signed by the three countries in 2015 and branded Ethiopia's action illegal. But Ethiopia is saying, like, look, this has been a long time coming. We are going to fulfill our requirements. We are not going to take too, too much water. Everything's going to be fine. But I don't know. I could see how this feels like a gamble. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm interested to see if there's anything that's going to come out of this. Um, if there is going to be any legal action or things, things of that nature. Um, and yeah, and if the dam itself is going to be successful. And, you know, is this going to lead to a water crisis in the future? You know, just like I think about, you know, the situation with the Colorado River in, in America. Uh, I'm sure this is happening in, in other places too, you know? Man, it, 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 either we're going to have a complete water world situation or like the exact opposite. I don't know what we're racing towards. And I'm sure it, we're going to meet in the middle and it's just going to be all bad and all kinds of miserable. But, you know, who knows? Uh, hopefully I'll be there to cover it. <laughs> all right, we got more things to talk about though. We have an update and it's a good update. I, I come bearing gifts of good news, W's. All right, from the Associated Press. American researcher has been rescued from deep Turkish cave more than a week after he fell ill. So that's right. We are talking about Mark Dickey. He made it. Looks like we made it. All right. Uh, researchers pulled an American research. Or I'm sorry. My bad. Run it back. Rescuers. Maybe our researchers. Uh, rescuers pulled an American researcher out of a Turkish cave early Tuesday, more than a week after he became seriously ill, a thousand meters, more than three thousand feet below its entrance. Teams from across Europe had rushed to Morka Cave in southern Turkey's Taurus Mountains to aid Mark Dickey, a 40-year-old experienced caver who became seriously ill on September 2nd with stomach bleeding. He was on an expedition to map the cave, which is the country's third deepest. So this is a vertical cave, as it has been described to me, and it made it very difficult given uh, Dickey's situation. He couldn't really move. By the time they were able to get to him and give him some assistance, he was able to at least be up, and he was saying, like, hey, I'm well enough to, like, move. I'm okay. I'm taking in food. I'm not vomiting. So these are good things. But I don't think I'm able to make this trek on my own. So they were kind of saying, okay, either we're going to have to wait potentially weeks to get him um, up on his own record, uh, or we're going to try to do the stretcher route. Um, we're going to try to make some openings, make some things happening, make some things happen to get that to go. And that's what happened. So I was kind of following this before I, you know, wound up, you know, getting here. And they're like, oh, we got him like to a certain base camp. And, you know, he was higher up. And I was like, okay, so they're making progress. It seems a lot faster than I expected. That's sweet. And then, you know, look, we are. As of Tuesday, he made it out. Uh, it looks like they had, like, kind of set up a, a good just stretcher system. They were able to, you know, do the things they needed to do to get the stretcher through and get him on. They stopped at, like, intervals. Uh, he was constantly monitored. They had also people during and post, like, making sure that they're cleaning up after themselves, too, which I liked uh, that they noted that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is a very thorough, very, like, 
diligent uh, operation. And luckily, Dickie got through really cool, and it didn't take, um, well, I mean, I guess, yeah, as of September 2nd, so I guess it did take weeks. But, you know, I mean, by the time I heard this, it seemed like there was days in between. So that's pretty cool. It's pretty wild. Also, something I, I, I started thinking about, too, on these things, as I wonder, and if and if my newsies or people, audience can help me, who foots the bill for these things? Does, like, especially because this is, like, multilateral. I mean, this is a guy from New York, so there's his people, like, his little, like, team and shit was involved. There was obviously people in Turkey, all kinds of folk. So I wonder who, like, winds up footing the bill for these kind of things. Like, you know, especially when it's just, like, one person or, like, a family or whatever, like, you know, a little survivor thing. I don't know. I'm curious. Maybe I'll find the answer myself and I'll wind up talking about it later. All right, we have one more thing to talk about. And then I'll let you go. You can finish off your Tuesday. You know what I mean? I'm taking my last little break. Oh, yeah. Okay, our last one is from the independent LGBTQ dating app Grinder. <laughs> nearly loses <clears throat> nearly loses half its staff <clears throat> after trying to force office return, according to report. Sorry about that. Yeah, but LGBTQ dating app Grinder has lost nearly half its staff after ending its remote work policy in an attempt to force workers back in person, according to reports. According to the Communications Workers of America, or CWA, Grindr announced on August 4th a return to office mandate that gave employees a two-week period to decide between two options, relocate to a newly assigned hub city to work in person twice a week with their respective teams, or leave the company with severance. Some of the new hub cities included New York City, Chicago, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Washington, D.C. As of the uh, 31st of August, the CWA estimated that 80 of Grindr's 178 workers left the company. The return to office mandate arrived two weeks after approximately 100 Grindr employees launched a union campaign to protect the staff amid widespread layoffs wreaking havoc throughout the tech industry and the wave of political attacks on LGBTQ identifying people. Um, so essentially they're saying these lay, um, like th- these, like, uh, you got to come to work. We're done with the work from home shit. Um, it came as a, um, counter to a union forming. Essentially, they're like accusing them of trying to bust them up this way. And Grinder saying, no, that didn't happen. <clears throat> oh, there's a burp I was waiting for. I'm sorry. Ooh, I had to let that out. <laughs> but um, Grinder's accusing them of simply like trying to sabotage this, trying to make this whole you have to come to the hub thing happen. When essentially working from, you know, working remotely was working perfectly fine. And this is something that I'm, I'm find myself kind of confused about is where's the conversation at? 
um, you know, from companies? Like, where do they want to push the, the propaganda? Because I hear some people saying, like, no, work from work from home is actually fine. We actually love it. We love not having a brick and mortar. And then there's other waves of people saying, like, no, work working remotely is terrible. It it's ruining productivity. It's killing businesses. We need to get back to brick and mortar. And I don't know what they want. I almost wonder if this is like a, a two-headed dragon situation. I don't know. But here it's being stated, you know, alleged that Grinder is using this to potentially break up a union, which is obviously something that's like, boo, fuck you, what the fuck, ew, gross. Uh, but obviously I hate this idea just because I personally am of the standing that working remotely is just way more efficient. It is something that is maybe you can say a silver lining from COVID that, yeah, it's fucked up. And also, by the way, something I've not talked about, COVID's on the rise. It fucking sucks. Also, there's a new COVID booster. Uh, that's a thing. So, you know, but COVID talk is fucking icky. I can say that. It's not fun to talk about. I don't enjoy it. That's not misinformation. Um, but, um, yeah, it's a thing. It's happening. And, um, it's crazy that, like I said, you're trying to stifle that one potential like perk of this whole shit is that hey you can actually work from home we've proven the concept it, we like, like we've been sitting on this technology and not using it and now they're like mm, but no you got to come to these hubs and i think this is whack for whatever reason they're they're doing it for also i, I do think trying to break up a union sucks and um yeah i, I don't know though if there's going to be any kind of like legal action here um you know i guess we'll see uh, but yeah um, that's all I really have for today. That's the episode. Um, let's see. I got a shill. Yeah, I got to do that before I let you go. Uh, I have a Patreon. Patreon.com says Zaya News. If you'd like to support the effort, support the podcast, I do shout you out on the top of the month. That's for all my newsies. I say your name. I plug a project you're on. A free way to hit me up is news one at gmail.com. And then I'm on all the socials. You can find me or the podcast there. Please subscribe to the YouTube. That also helps a lot. And give me all the thumbs up. Give me max out all the stars, all of the rave reviews. Follow me on all of the things you listen to me on if you want to just keep up with the Joneses. So, yeah, that's it. That's all I have. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you so much for being a friend. And hopefully I see you soon for some more good news. I love you. Bye-bye. Mwah.